Hi, Going Deeper. Welcome to our Crosswalk series. Tonight's speaker will be our own Kevin Siddle. He'll be talking to us about the importance of study in the life of a Christian. It's what grounds us into our faith. I'm so excited about the ministry that Kevin has here. He is our connections leader, deals with adult discipleship. He helps me uh, in so many ways with, with writing books and, and really turning these verse-by-verse -verse journeys we take on Wednesday nights into trail guides. I'm grateful for Kevin. I can't wait to see what he's going to share with us tonight. Hey. Oh, that's too kind. Good evening, everybody. How are you? So, as Shane said, my name is Kevin Siddle. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the director of discipleship, as he said. And uh, if you're wondering why you don't see me very often at Sundays, uh, it's because I also serve up at the Collinsville-Maryville campus and help out up there. And so for our Collinsville-Maryville folks joining online, love you guys. So good to have you with us. Uh, also, I help out with some of the online ministries with Reverend Mike. And so if you partake in the online ministries, it's awesome. We're so grateful for that. For everybody joining us online, welcome. It is such a huge blessing. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the Bible, just straight up. Something I'm really, really passionate about. It's something that excites me. Uh, as a part of tonight, we're getting into this crosswalk series here. And what that really means is we're looking at four parts of discipleship, kind of in nature of the cross here, in light of the cross. And at the top, we've got worship, right? When we worship, we exalt God, we give thanks to him. We really pour out ourselves by praising and worshiping who God is. That's at the top of the cross. Then on one arm of the cross, we've got our witness, right? This is the 500 campaign. It's what we're doing here at Christ Church. It's evangelizing. It's telling people about Jesus Christ. And it's actually inviting them into the Christian community. Then on the other side of that outstretched arm of the cross, we've got giving. But it's not just giving of our tithes or our finances. It's giving of ourselves. And there's so much to that as well. Then finally, tonight, we look at Bible study. And in Bible study, we are grounded in what it means to be a Christian, or more specifically, what it means to be Christ-like. Now, I'm one of those really weird people. Uh, I actually re-energize through Bible study. You know, like most people are like, uh, reading, terrible. Um, I'm not one of those. I really, really enjoy Bible study. I really enjoy digging into the Word. It's something I'm really passionate about. Uh, a lot of people re-energize other ways. How many of you are worshipers? We're like, that is your thing, right? Yep, Susan, I knew that was you. Okay. <laughs> How many of you are prayer folks where it's just like you fill up through prayer? Yeah. What about fellowship? Do we have any serious extroverts? Yeah, where you just need to be around people. You re-energize around people. Uh, so for those of you who do, God bless you, and that's awesome. If you're looking for a way to get involved in fellowship, Friday night, Grizzlies game. It's going to be awesome, okay? We're going to get a couple hundred people together. We're going to stick them in a ballpark. We're going to celebrate Christ together. We're going to watch some baseball. Hopefully, there will be a fight again this year. For those who are there, you know, you remember. It was awesome. But it's the time to get into Christian community. It's so important. 
You cannot be a solo Christian. No matter how introverted you are, no matter how much you just want to go home and sit by yourself, that is not what being a Christian is about. We've got to do this together. We've got to be in community. But if you're like me, if you're a little bit of a Bible nerd, then study is where it's at. Like, again, digging into the Word, seeing how God moves. It's so powerful. You get to understand how these complex characters in the Bible go from really broken individuals, and some of them terrible, all the way to these redeemed people who do great things for the kingdom. We see how God cannot be put into the box that we try to fit him in. And this comes because we dig into the word. We read the words in the Bible. I believe that there's a lot of power in the Bible. I believe there's a lot of authority in the Bible. And I believe that the importance of the Bible didn't end when it was first written. I believe that it is just as powerful today as it was thousands of years ago. And I think that will never, ever change. So, how did it start? For me, um, as a kid, I I guess I kind of went to church occasionally. We were, I guess, casual Christians, sort of, kind of. I'm not really sure. Uh, I never went to children's ministry or VBS or anything like that. That would have been way outside of my comfort zone. Uh, That wasn't happening. But when I was first probably truly pulled into the Bible, I was about 13 years old. Um, I remember it pretty distinctly. I woke up at about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning in severe stomach pain. Uh, The kind of like doubled over, cold sweat, can't move, like horrible stomach pain. Well, a few months before that, a family friend had given me an NIV study Bible. And like every good 13-year-old, it sat on my nightstand collecting dust and doing a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) So that night when I was in pain, uh, I remember looking over and seeing it. And for whatever reason, I, I decided to grab it, you know. And because I literally knew nothing about the Bible, I couldn't have gone to John 3.16. I couldn't have pulled open any scripture. I didn't know any of that stuff. I was literally, in its definition, ignorant of the Bible. So I just flipped it open. I did Bible roulette. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, there, God, speak to me, right? Uh, As a Bible study guy, don't do that. (laughs) That's not... Don't do that. Can God speak that way? Yes. Can he bless you that way? Yes. Recommended? Definitely not. So I open up my Bible, right? And I'm hurting and I'm really struggling. And I open up to this verse. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. All right, what verse is it? Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. That quickly became kind of my life verse. I had no idea that was a famous like verse in the Bible and people did bumper stickers and made plaques and art and all that. I had no idea. I had never read that. God had me just that quick. 
he spoke to me in what I felt very directly and comforted me in a time of pretty severe pain. And it was in that moment where I really understood, okay, there's, there's power in the Bible. There's, there's hope and there's comfort that can be found. I was literally a young man who was tired and weary and weak and stumbling in pain, praying to be renewed, and that was the verse I opened? Come on, that's no accident. I'm, I don't have enough faith to believe that that's an accident. Put it that way. Have you ever had that moment where God just points out the perfect verse? He, he reveals it to you in the scripture. That's God. That's the joy that comes from that. So tonight, before we really dive into Timothy here, I want to present a singular question for us to focus on. Why study the Bible? Okay, sounds simple, right? Why study the Bible? You know, we got a lot of answers. I'm going to present you with a couple, and some of these are negative, and some of these are positive. First, do you study the Bible out of guilt and shame? No one likes to talk about that. So, what does this look like? Um, you're dealing with sin. You're dealing with some of the decisions that you've made in life, and you're struggling with that. And sort of in a way to uh, bring restitution or to try and cleanse yourself of whatever uh, yuck, essentially, that's in your life, you turn to the Bible. Is that a bad thing? I don't think anything's bad that points you to the Bible, but is that rightly motivated? I think that's a better question. If your sole purpose for opening your Bible is guilt, then you're missing a lot of the points of the Gospels. Do you study the Bible because it's something you've always done? It's habit. Now, holy habits are good, absolutely, studying the Bible, prayer, fasting, things like that. Disciplines are good, but intentionality is better. I would tell you that very, very much so. So it doesn't look like it, but I like to work out. Uh, it's something I try to do. <laughs> yeah, I know, I get it. You can laugh. It's okay. I made the joke. <laughs> so um, I've had this kind of same routine for a very long time. Uh, every morning, every night before I go to bed, I'll drop down, do a bunch of push-ups and a couple of sit-ups and stuff like that. And it's just something that I've kind of always done. It's just part of the daily routine. Now, that's great. But it does not have the same effect as those times when I would go and I would dedicate myself to exercising and fitness. It's nothing like when I would go and I would plan and I would try and execute what I was working towards in my goals. Doing this is sort of the minimum. It's the bare minimum. And so if you're a person who, like me for a long time, was somebody who would read a verse at night or in the morning and that's all you do, I mean, that's good. But I would also argue that's probably the minimum. Intentional Bible study. Intentionally digging into the scriptures and trying to discern how God would move in your life or point you towards Christ will be significantly better. Having a goal will always be more effective than just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. It comes back to intention and motivation. Thirdly, do you study the Bible as like a self-help book? Uh-oh. There are millions and millions of people who look at the Holy Bible simply as another chicken soup for the soul. Let's be honest. 
They're not really interested in the life-giving power of Christ that comes through the Bible. They just want to learn how to not be anxious or how to save their marriage or how to be a better husband or father or whatever. You know, they're not really looking for a true whole spirit or life change. They're just looking to fix their stuff. Now, the Bible obviously has a lot to say about that. Personal purity and holiness and righteousness, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And there's nothing wrong with looking towards those things as a guide. But that shouldn't be the only goal. There's so much more in the Bible than just how can I be a better person. The Bible is not there to teach you some self-fulfilling reason. The Bible is there to point us towards Christ. And I think that's one of the big dangers that we see today. When people read the Bible, they look at it as kind of a what's in it for me. That's not how this works. We are not the center of the universe, and thank God for that. Some people read the Bible to try and prove it wrong. I've met some of those folks. They want to try and dig out every error that they think they can find or every contradiction that they believe in. Good luck. The Bible is the single most studied and broken down book in all of human history. And it has started not necessarily because of Christians who believe it, but because of a lot of people who don't believe it. They try and rip it apart because they feel they're going to find something that can prove it wrong. And because it has been so analyzed, that's one of the reasons I know it's true. Think about all of those other books that have not been analyzed, that have not been torn apart by thousands and thousands and thousands of people over the course of history because no one cares because they can inherently know it's wrong. You only try and break something if you have an idea in your heart that it's truth. Some other reasons might just want to know more about history, right? Try and learn about the Israelite people. Try and learn about the Greeks and the Jews in the time of Jesus. Other people look at the Bible because they look at it as this great book on moral and ethics. It is. Others simply read the Bible because their parents or their pastor or a leader told them to. As Christians, our primary and what I would argue sole reason for Bible study is to be more Christ-like, to allow Christ to affect our hearts, to change us to be more like him, to represent him in a lot of different ways. And that's so crucial. There are going to be other reasons that come up along the way, but we need to be pursuing Christ-likeness. And the best way to pursuing Christ-likeness is through the Bible. So, what does it mean to be Christ-like? Another difficult and simple question. Here's some things I'll tell you it's not. It doesn't mean wearing a WWJD bracelet. It doesn't mean slapping a Joy FM sticker on your car. Cool, go for it. Evangelism is good. We like that. But that doesn't inherently make you Christ-like. Point yourself back to the Bible. What does it mean to be Christ-like? Love your enemies. Forgive those people who persecute you. Stand firm and follow God, even when it's really, really, really hard. Love. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a powerful thing. Being Christ-like is very, very countercultural, And so we look at these, and we know these, because of the Bible. 
So now that you can kind of answer that question, why study the Bible? Let's go ahead and dig into our scripture tonight. Okay, this is fun. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. How many people actually have their Bibles with them? That'd be awesome. Look at you guys. You're the A-plus students. Of course you are, Shelly Beatty. I knew it. And I say that I don't have my Bible open in front of me, right? Um, some important things to think about. Why would I recommend you bring your Bible to uh, going deeper, to church in general, right? Uh, a couple reasons. We know based off of adult education and psychology that people actually learn better when they have something tangible in their hands. It's something tactile, something to touch, right? And there are situations where you can be knowing scripture without knowing the exact verses. How many of you guys know where a verse is in your Bible but have no idea what the verse is, right? Where you say like, oh yeah, that's like up in the top left-hand side and I've got it highlighted in yellow, I think. Yeah, let me find it. I can get to it. You have no idea what book it's in. You just know where it's at. That's because your brain actually creates these links and memories. And so a physical Bible, you can learn those things quicker. Um, that's just what it is. So I would highly recommend taking notes, putting stuff down, scratching stuff in the corner, whatever. Um, if you're an art person, doodle. Like, I'm, okay. I'm for that. It's okay. Now, if you're a digital Bible person, oh, you save so much weight. <laughs> like, I don't have my phone on me, but I like knowing my Bible is with me all the time. There's a benefit to that. I keep all of my notes in there, too. So I personally don't care what you have. My point is, you should get into the habit of opening up your Bible. Look through it. It can be one of the greatest gifts that you ever give somebody. All right, 2 Timothy 3.15. Because I believe that you can also learn by hearing things, I want you to read this with me. All right. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All right, let's get into some background here. In the second letter of Timothy, we see the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege to stay encouraged. He's doing some tough work. He's in ministry. Now, as we move into our passage specifically, Paul speaks this kind of simple truth to the young man. Uh, I really like this. He reminds Timothy that he knows the Holy Scriptures because he learned them as a child. Now, you need to remember here, the Holy Scriptures that he's uh, mentioning, this is the Old Testament, right? He's not thinking of the New Testament. That hasn't been written yet. Also, Timothy's young. Uh, we don't know how young, but we know he's young enough that it's likely people won't follow him. And so, Paul is reminding him of the comfort and the wisdom that he can learn in the Scriptures and also use it as a steady foundation for those people who might attack him simply because he's young. Paul does something really important here as a mentor. He reminds Timothy of what he knows. When things are crazy, when things are nuts, when you're trying to figure it all out, it's so important for a mentor to say, okay, remember what you know. He's taking him back to the basics, right? Back to the fundamentals. That's so critical. So what are these fundamentals of the Bible? How about the greatest commandment? Love God. Second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor. Ten commandments. Fruits of the Spirit. Right? These are some of the basic tenets of the Bible. These are the things that we can know, we can place in our heart, and we can carry as truth 
that will guide us even when things kind of get out of control. Now, why are these important? Paul answers the question himself. They've given you wisdom to receive salvation. Think about that. To receive salvation. I firmly believe that the greatest and most important decision any human will ever make is whether or not they accept Christ. It has eternal consequences. That decision will determine your eternity. Bam, just like that. It's more important than your retirement. It's more important than even whether you have kids or even whether you get married. That decision it's eternal, it's powerful, and it carries tremendous weight with it. And the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, right? That's what gives you the wisdom to make that choice. We see that challenge in the Bible. We see the teachings of Christ. We see what the apostles say, and it kind of forces people into a crossroads to decide, are they going to follow Christ or are they not? Because we see the evidence right there in the Word. One of the things that I really like about Bible study is it gives us a glimpse into something that's not here. The world's messed up, guys, right? Turn on the news for four seconds. I mean, goodness gracious, it's rough. So being able to see and experience just a little bit of life beyond what we see here, what a blessing. Can you imagine a world with no pain? Or no suffering? Can you imagine a world with hope and peace? Truly, that, that's everlasting over everything. Hope and peace. It's difficult. Because we live in a fallen world. And the Bible shows us this world beyond what we are accustomed to. And there's so much joy in that. And so there's so much beauty there, but you have to capture it. So... Do you trust Jesus? Kind of as he says. Or I guess the better question would be, do you actually know Jesus well enough to trust him? How do you know Jesus? <laughs> we see it in the Bible. And if your answer to that question is anything other than an adamant yes, then you probably need to spend more time in the Bible. You need to learn about him. You need to learn about his character what he does, what he doesn't do. Do you know that he healed the sick? Do you know that he freed people from demon possession? Do you know that he raised people from life or from dead to life? Do you know that he offers peace and love and hope? The way you know these things is right there in the scripture. Do you trust that? You can't trust what you don't know. Jump in the gospels. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot where you can learn all of these things. All right, let's move on. Again, please read this with me. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Uh, for those of you who know me, this is going to be absolutely zero shocker to you. Uh, I hate being wrong. Like, uh, I hate being wrong. Like, I do. I hate it. <laughs> It's not, it's not exactly what you might think. It's not that I want to be right. That's not it. I'm, again, for those of you who know me, you know I'm wrong a lot of the time. 
there's an army of people in this church and outside of this church that try and keep me on the right track. To any of you who are on that list, thank you. I appreciate it. You do great work. (laughs) It's not about that. It's not about me being right. What it really comes down to is when I look at being wrong, I look at it as a failure to do right. And that's very different. It's, I look at it in the lens of the Bible here. So for some clarity, I guess, uh, most of you haven't known me for that long, but I have not always been a good guy. Uh, I can say that with great honesty. Um, just haven't. You know, there were periods in my life where I treated people really poorly, uh, where I said really hurtful things. And that's something I've spent the majority of my adult life trying to change, you know, and trying to become not that person anymore, and really trying to become more Christ-like. Because when I look at what it means to be wrong, it's kind of like being on the wrong team, right? There's, you know, kind of this cliche, there's the winning team, and that's team, team Jesus, and he's all good, and he's always helping people. And then there's Team Satan, and he's always wrong, and he's always trying to hurt people. I look at doing wrong as being on the wrong team. And I have spent parts of my life on the wrong team, and I'm thankful that that has now transitioned. Still got a long way to go. Readily admit that. The reality is, though, I didn't always know what was right or wrong. I'm really, really honest, I was ignorant. I I didn't know because I didn't actually seek those things out. And it's hard for me, even, I guess, selfishly to blame myself when I didn't know what to do. So if you don't know what right or wrong is, how can you be held to that standard? Again, enter the Bible. We learn true right or wrong through the Scriptures. We learn what it means to love people, even our enemies. We love or learn what it means to be righteous, to be holy, to be pure. These are things that are really difficult to understand, and thank goodness we have the Bible to go off of. In short, the Bible taught me what is true. Not like little t true, like the big t truth, like actual truth. You know, and this is a point that I think is important to understand. Uh, today, people are trying to redefine truth. Have you guys run into that? Like, where people are like, well, this is my truth. What does that mean? Like, you just decide what truth is all of a sudden? Like, you, you kind of like just make it up on the spot? And really what you're saying is, this is my opinion. <laughs> That's very, very different. Big T truth are the things that we do find in Scripture. They're the things that are immovable. They're objective. They're not subjective to our feelings and our emotions and all that stuff. Essentially, what I'm saying is the Bible is something that lives outside of our own feelings and emotions, and we are judged against it. The problem that a lot of people uh, have with the Bible is they think that they should judge the Bible by them. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. The Bible and what it says and the tenets within are the truth, the big T that we should be living by according to that and not trying to redefine it to fit our standards. That is a dangerous, dangerous slope with absolutely no end. What Paul's also claiming here, though, is that Scripture's complete. It's a beautiful thing. Like, if you really look at the language, I won't go all nerdy on you, 
But if you look at the language and how Paul says this, uh, there's a completeness to it. Let me explain. It's everything we need in order to live rightly. Okay? It illuminates the wrong, right? Show us what's wrong. It teaches us what is right in a way that honors God. And it helps us to then do that. So, for instance, if the Bible only showed us uh, what is wrong, it would just be a book of condemnation. You know, if it just stopped right there and said, well, this is wrong, but not what it actually means to live rightly, that would be horrible. It would just be pure condemnation. And on the other side, if the book or if the Bible was only a book that taught us how to live rightly without teaching us what was wrong, it would be totally unattainable. We couldn't recognize where we were in our sin. It would be this divide that would be impossible to cross. And this is why Bible study is crucial. You're probably not going to learn the rights and wrongs of the Bible also just with like surface level devotional stuff. And I know that ruffles some feathers and I get it. Devotionals are good. I write devotionals but you need to get deeper into the word. And if you want to learn especially what's right or wrong, one of the ways I recommend you doing it is doing a topical study. Like, pick a topic. Now, here's what's cool, right? Let's say you want to understand, um, all right, what does the Bible say about alcohol? That's a common thing that both Christians and non-Christians alike, they want to try and figure out, right? So, You could go read the entire Bible, highlight every single verse, write them all down, whatever, and then try and break them down. Or you could use modern technology. We can throw this up and go to Google. (laughs) And you can just say, what does the Bible say about alcohol? And then you'll get this cool website called openbible.info, and it will give you every single scripture reference in the Bible about that topic. Nice. Then you can educate yourself, and then you can decide. What does the Bible say? This is a great resource. Use it. So it doesn't matter if it's anxiety, if it's faith, if it's love, if it's fear, if it's alcohol, sin, whatever. You can use the tools that we have circa 2023 to your advantage. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Now, to our final verse for tonight. One more time. Will you please read this with me? God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Um, As some of you might know, my wife, Becky, and I, we have five kids. Susan, thank you for the cool shout-out for my wife. She is amazing. Um, So we're a family of seven. We're a big family. And I get... Um, I get three questions, like, pretty commonly. You know, it's just one of those things that happen. Carrie and Urban, I'm sure you got some of this stuff, too, right? First question I always get, wow, did you really plan to have that many kids? No. No, I did not. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, (laughs) The second common question, and this one I probably get almost as much as, so are you done with having kids? You know, you get that like awkward silence, right? And you're like, oh man, here we go. Okay, so my answer is not quite as simple as <laughs> question number one. My answer is a biblical question or a biblical answer. The number seven in the Bible is the number four. Perfection and completeness. Very good, Bible scholars. Look at you guys. So in my mind, we are now a family of seven. We are complete. <laughs> So, 
here's the problem, right? Uh, yeah, God never asks my opinion, like, ever. So, um, how, uh, pray for me. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Just please pray for me. Uh, the third question I get a lot uh, also is just, how do you do it? You know, and, it, and that's a fair question. Um, you know, I try to be a, a very loving husband. I try to be a very loving father to my five kids. I've got a full-time job here at the church. I'm in seminary. Uh, I also do some other things outside of this. Like, how in the world do you kind of balance it all, right? You know, that's the often question. Uh, well, as I said and Susan said earlier, my wife is an angel, and she has the patience of a saint, mostly with me, and I'm cool with that. She hasn't figured it out yet? Great. Not my problem. Um, <laughs> truth be told, without her, I mean, most of my life would crumble. Like, she manages so much. She's amazing, and she is just such an incredible blessing. Uh, the other part to this is, especially with parenthood, like, it takes time, right? We didn't just, like, wake up one day and, like, bam, five kids. Good luck. Like, that's, that didn't happen, you know? This kind of stuff takes time. Your faith takes time. Your walk with Christ takes time. And so over time, we developed into parents that we are today better than we used to be. Over time, our marriage has changed quite a lot, better than it used to be. And that's a huge blessing. And that's never going to stop. You know, that's, that's what's incredible about life. I think one of the big lies in this world is that people never change. What kind of garbage is that? I'm not 13 anymore, thank goodness. I can drive now. <laughs> like, come on. Anyway, sorry, I'm going on a soapbox. <laughs> sorry. The point is, God's going to prepare you over time. And God is going to equip you, and he's going to do that through the scriptures. Like, that's, that's one of the beautiful parts of it. I don't know where you are at in your walk with Christ I don't know if you've been a Bible for decades or if you've, been a, or if you've been a Christian for decades or if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes. I don't know that. But I do know that everyone has a purpose in the kingdom. And everyone who's a Christian is called to something great. And if you're still on this side of the earth, then you still have work to do. You still have so much left to give. And that is such a huge blessing. You are prepared. You are equipped. We see this a lot here at Christ Church, right? Reverend Shane talks about it a lot with the pings, you know, and I see this play out a lot in our connect groups. You'll have a connect group leader who's gone through something. You know, they've been through something tough in their life. And so they study the Bible. They start pouring into the word and they start really looking at how to overcome that struggle personally. And then... Through the course of study, they become prepared. They become equipped, and then they teach it. They help others. That is where we see it so often play out, where they take their preparation equipment, or equipping, and they do their good work. What has God prepared you for? What has he equipped you for? What areas of the Bible are you especially versed in? Maybe because of your personal struggles. Maybe you know a lot about a biblical character or one story or even a topic. Maybe your life 
is a testimony to the power of Scripture and how God has used the Bible to speak into you. Whatever it is, embrace it. Let's recap real quick. Why study the Bible? Because it gives you wisdom to receive salvation. It teaches us truth, big T truth. It reveals to us what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. It teaches us what to do or to do what is right. It prepares us because it equips us and because it is our direct link to learning about the love, hope, forgiveness, and peace that comes offered through Christ. So why study the Bible? Because you don't want to miss gems like this. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You pray with me. Loving God, we are blessed to have this amazing collection of books and letters, Lord, that you would speak to us through them, that you would guide us, that you would teach us, that you would correct us through those words, but more than anything, that you would point us to your son. So Lord, I pray that there would be excitement around the Bible, that people would have hope every time they open its pages that there would be a comfort and a peace there because you are present in its words. So Lord, I pray for those people who, like me, haven't cracked open a dusty Bible in a long time, like when I was 13. Lord, I pray that today would be a new day. Bust that open. Take a look. See how you can speak to them. For those who are dedicated Bible scholars, Lord, I thank you for them. I pray that you would prepare and equip them to teach others to guide others into the life and the power that comes through its words. Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful for all that you are doing here at Christ Church, and we pray with excitement over what's happening next. And all God's people said, amen.